Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross so that you can be set for life. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus is trying to show us that the love and joy that our Father God has for us when we repent of our sin. When somebody comes back, God wants to fall on your neck and kiss you, and He's like telling everybody, look, look who's here. (laughs) That's how God sees you. Luke 15 and 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Okay, now that's what the son rehearsed. Remember, he already said it. He's rehearsing. Here's what I'm going to say. But the father kind of just cuts into his little rehearsed speech because he's so excited. Look, verse 22. But the father said to his servants, (laughs) bring out the best road and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Again, did did you happen to catch that the father's so glad about his son's return that he didn't even let him finish his confession? (laughs) He starts trying to confess and he's like, let's party. Bring everything out. His father went straight into celebration mode because his son's return had already fully demonstrated the condition of his heart. He's just trying to vocalize it. The father's like, you're coming back, says it all. So while his son is still trying to confess, the father springs up in joy and he calls his servants to dress him up in the very best attire and the very best they can put on him. The reason the father's doing all this is because upon his son's return, The Father has already now unconditionally forgiven him and accepted him. Now, giving his son a robe, what that meant at the time, that was a sign of honor and acceptance back into, that he's back in, in the family again. Giving him a ring, putting a ring on his finger, was a sign of authority because of sonship. You're my son. And giving him sandals was a sign that he is no longer like a slave. He's family. You're in this family now. Here's shoes for you to, good shoes and sandals for you to walk in. And so they have a great feast for the returned son. And Jesus intentionally used this picture of a great feast because he had spoken of Father God's great banquet feast in the previous chapter. The chapter just before this one, he was talking about God's, Father God's great banquet feast in the coming kingdom. And so those who are listening to Jesus here in Luke 15, they would have easily recognized the significance of what Jesus was talking about, of this Father's feast for his son. It would have been a parallel to them that this is the great banquet feast that God is going to provide for everyone who comes back to the Lord to receive eternal life. Friends, we have a great celebration banquet to attend. You ever been to a big banquet? Remember when we all went to Passover and we all got dressed up real nice and we went and had a big party and it was so wonderful? We have a big banquet even bigger than that that's coming. And you have an invitation to go. 
God's own personal welcome home celebration. And so the young son symbolizes us, us sinners here in this parable. And so Jesus used this story to explain to his critics that repentant sinners have been entering the kingdom. Remember, they said, oh, you dine and you hang out with sinners and you associate with these disgusting, terrible sinners. Jesus was telling them, there are already sinners who have repented, come back to the Father. They're entering the kingdom right now because they're confessing, returning to God. Now, what the Father does to the Son here in this parable, dressing him up with a robe, putting the ring on him and the, and the, the sandals on his feet, this is a vivid picture of complete restoration. We serve a God of restoration. You ever feel like things have been robbed from you? Remember, you serve a God of restoration. Friends, this is how God views you. <laughs> Isn't it exciting to know that this is how God holds you with such great value? Luke 15 and 25. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, These many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. Okay, so now Jesus tells his critics, the guys that were judging him for hanging with the sinners, he's telling them now what their part of the kingdom is right now. He showed them that they were like this jealous older brother. They had the same attitude towards sinners as the older son had towards his younger brother when his father received him back. Now, in Luke 15, 2 that we read, it says the Pharisees complained that Jesus received sinners and that Jesus also ate with them. Now, you can see how Jesus is telling them right to their face. Jesus was no pushover. This, he, he was giving it to them straight, right to their face, how bad their attitudes were towards those who would repent and come to God, because God will receive any repentant sinner. I don't care how bad you've messed up. You genuinely repent and confess your sins and turn to God. He will accept you. And so like the older son who would not attend the feast, Jesus showed these Pharisees and, and scribe critics how sour their attitude had gotten towards the very sinners that Jesus was receiving with great joy. Wow. Now, I can imagine that these Pharisees and scribes, they probably felt offended at this. Look at what he's trying to say to us. But this is why Jesus also explained that the father pleaded with the older son. He pleaded with the older son to attend the feast too. You can come too. You threw the feast for that son of yours. Well, you can come too. You're not losing out. (laughs) Jesus was showing the Pharisees that he was pleading with them to come and join the feast also. Now, whenever I read the word Pharisee in the Bible, typically because of the stories they have been in, I often think, oh, those conceited troublemakers again. That's what I think of when I see Pharisee typically. They thought they were entitled to a place in the kingdom of God at the banquet. 
which is the same attitude that the son had when he demanded his inheritance, isn't it? Entitlement. I should have this. I'm good enough. You should give that to me. That's what the Pharisees thought. But Jesus did not want to exclude even a Pharisee and a critical scribe from the kingdom. You see, Jesus extends this great invitation to everybody, everyone who would be willing to come to enough change to admit that they are not worthy. That invitation extends to them. The invitation to dine at the Lord's great banquet is offered to you. Doesn't that excite you? Can you imagine what a great heavenly banquet is going to look like? And you walk to the table, and there's a, I don't know, I'm just thinking, a plate and a name tag that's got your name on it. This is where you sit. (laughs) Your spot. Maybe you're thinking, though, but Ray, you don't know how bad I am. That's exactly why the younger son expressed in his sorrow, I have sinned, and I'm not worthy to be your son. And did the Father not accept him back with great joy? Those of you out there who are thinking you've done too bad to be accepted by God, that you can't be forgiven, your problems are too deep, you've done too many, it's it's too far gone. The Father received the Son back anyway. And Jesus had this story to tell us so that you would understand this and know that you're not too far gone. You can still repent. I don't care what it is you've done. You can still repent and be saved. So the older son, though, he was upset because the father, not only did he accept him with great joy, he also adorned him, clothing, robe, sandals, and a a ring. He adorned him with the attire of sonship. And the older son was angry. And look what he says in verse 30. As soon as the son of yours came, (laughs) you notice the resentment in his language? He refuses to call him his brother. This son of yours. In his very words, he is, he is admitting, I disown this guy. I don't like him. He refuses to call him his brother. And he also makes a judgmental assumption that his brother blew his money on prostitutes. He doesn't know that for sure. He wasn't there. He blew it on prostitutes. What he's trying to do, he's trying to make the younger son's sin look worse than it is. Now he's becoming judgmental, isn't he? He's proclaiming his own self-righteousness. Dad, look at how good I've been. I've, been. I've always been here. I've always been serving. I'm doing the right stuff. But he's trying to make himself look better than his brother by cutting his brother down now. He, he, he blew it on prostitutes. You don't know that. As if that's not bad enough. Here comes the icing on the cake. Look at the end of verse 29. He says he wanted things from his father. And he says, so that I might celebrate with my friends. You see that? So that I can celebrate with my friends. Celebrate with who? With dad? No, with my friends. Dad, give me stuff so I can leave and go celebrate with my buds. He had no desire to celebrate with his father at all. He didn't want to hang out with dad. He wanted to go hang out with his friends. He just got exposed for having the same attitude of entitlement that the younger son had when he left in the first place. Give to me, I'm leaving. Dad, you never gave me a goat or nothing so that I could party with my friends. He just said the same thing the younger son did when he left. By his own word, he revealed that he did not really have any love for his father, did he? The only reason he stayed around 
and served all this time was because he had an expectation of reward, not because he loved his father. It's all about what I get out of it. Give me something. And when I get it, I'm not spending it with you, Dad. The older son's relationship was based on works. Dad, I've always been here. I've always been here. I've always been serving. I'm always doing stuff. That older son's relationship was based on works, not on love. Uh Uh-oh. When you have a works-based relationship, what's the problem? Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. There's the love. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. You see, the older son is boasting. Hey, Dad, I've always been here. I've worked so hard. Where's my reward? That's how the Pharisees operated. They thought they were better than everybody else by their works that made them worthy of reward, but they had no actual love for the Lord God. Jesus is showing them in this parable that the feast of the fatted calf was an undeserved reward, that all of your works will not get you into heaven. However, recognizing that you're a sinner and have lost all worthiness, and you have lost all entitlement to anything, being brought down to the point of just simply coming to God, not to receive stuff, but to receive Him. That is what this parable is about. It's not about getting stuff. It's about getting Jesus. That is when you're accepted by Father God. John 1.12 says, As many as received stuff... I love it when I do that. And I see what y'all, I like your reaction. As many as received what? Him. As many as received Him. To them, He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in His name. People are misusing the gospel today. They're calling God, oh, give me stuff, give me stuff, give me stuff. God doesn't want to give you stuff. He wants to give you Jesus. God loves us. And so listen to the love of the Father's voice when he says to the older son, he says it very tenderly to him in verse 31. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. When the Father said, all that I have is yours, Jesus was telling the Pharisees that they also have the same access to God's grace as well. Now, if I were a Pharisee in this story, I would like to think I'd be thinking, if I can have, if I can have the banquet too, if I can have eternal life too, why am I so excited that other people are getting in? I get it also. I didn't lose my shot. Did you know that today there are thousands of Muslims coming to belief in Jesus Christ? It's not what you see on the news. Oh, terrorists, they're just going to kill us all. They're coming to belief. Big time. By the thousands. Pagans are coming to belief. Atheists. But today, the supposed Christians, we have our inheritance already, that think they're Christian at some, some point, I believe. They're spending so much of their time learning how to do nothing but hate these other people groups. They're hating these people groups, and they forget that God offers them the same grace that saved us. The Pharisees in this chapter, 
They did not like the idea that people outside of Israel, as well as foreigners and the sinners that were in Israel, that they got to be part of the kingdom too. And so we should not be jealous or resentful either. When the Father brings out the best robe or a ring for the hand or sandals for the feet of anyone who would come to him, anyone that could come, he will adorn. All of these clothing items represent the adornment of righteousness that we receive through salvation in Jesus Christ. The robe of the Son. Now, I told you what it meant culturally to them. Let me tell you what that means to us spiritually on this side of the parable. The robe that the Son received shows us Isaiah 61, verse 10. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. There's your robe. The sandals for our feet, what, what can that do? Ephesians 6.15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now you get to tell others about it, go walking out to them. And the ring on his finger, remember I said the ring is my son, my son. The ring on his finger showed sonship into the family. Ephesians 1.5 says, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. God enjoys this. He lo- in the picture, could you just see how the father just loved dressing his son up? You're back here, put this on, put on this ring, and just had a good time with it. The Lord God does us the same way. And that's exciting. It's comforting to know that God views us like this, that he offers us adoption, friendship. Whoa, that's a big one. Sometimes it's hard for me to think of God as wanting to be my friend. Friendship and family love. But what's sad is there's so many people, they know about this in their mind about God, but they don't believe it in their heart. They're more interested in being with their friends than with God. They're more interested in being with the world than with God. God, give me my stuff. Bless me, bless me, bless me. But I want to spend it on everybody else but you. That's the attitude of our world today. They're more interested with their friends than God. One thing to consider about the prodigal son is that when he had money, he had friends. But as soon as the money was gone, the friends were gone too. If you remember verse 16, it says, When he was in need, it says, No one gave him anything. But the Lord wants to be your friend. Jesus called his disciples friends. Now, our prosperity-driven nation today views God as somebody who is just supposed to give us stuff. Give us stuff. What God lovingly gives us is not stuff, but his only begotten Son is what he gave us, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's better than stuff. You seek the things of the kingdom first, then he'll give you the stuff. But don't be like that spider that built his web over the trash can. Because when everything you have gets taken away from you, nobody down here is going to care. And God just might even be one of the ones who helps make it happen. You realize that when the father let the son go, the father knows about famines. He's been through famines. He's thinking, my son's going to go off. He might get into a famine, but he knew that. He released him because that's what the son wanted. Friend, I'm, I'm, I'm warning as lovingly with a velvet hammer <laughs> as I can that 
doing things your way is going to get you into a famine. You're going to lose your money. You're going to lose your friends. You're going to lose everything that you hold dear that's not of God. I would turn. I would turn and come back. Repent and get right with the Lord. And then he will give you the things you need to walk in his righteousness. What a friend we have in Jesus. Now, I pray you come to a decision to put Jesus first in your life and not your stuff. To think of God as a friend, your best friend above your other friends. Because I'm telling you, you'll come to find out when you make God your best friend, the people you thought were your best friend, they're going to leave. Maybe you can lead them to Jesus too, though. To think that God thinks of us as a friend enough to turn around from doing the things our own way and come to him. I'm thankful that this is the way the Lord God views me. Father, we come to uh, pray. We want to pray uh, for the repentance of many. Lord, we prayed for the repentance of many yesterday up in Houston, uh, that they would uh, turn to you. They would realize that their way, their money, the the income is not it. Lord, you, you say so many times in your word, money is so temporary and it's nothing to be trusted. Lord Jesus, you said that if we will seek first the things of the kingdom, you will give us the things we need. Lord, our nation's backwards. We, they, they're saying, Lord, give us our stuff so we can go party it away. And you're not invited. Lord, I ask today that people invite you into their heart to make you Lord. And that the party we look forward to is that great banquet feast in heaven. That that's the party we look forward to. We thank you, Lord God, that you have offered this to us. And may we not be jealous and resentful when terrible, terrible, filthy, disgusting sinners come to belief and they get that robe of righteousness and that ring. Lord God, because that was me. I was there too. Forgive us, Father, and straighten our minds to where we concentrate on taking the gospel out to people, even those particular people we think in that sinful part of our being that shouldn't be hearing it. We go tell them, Lord, I have a hard time sometimes telling certain people groups about your gospel because my world has taught me to hate them. But Lord, help me to continue to push past that cultural hatred and just share the gospel with everyone. Because Lord, I don't want to be like this Pharisee, but I do want to be like this prodigal son that no matter how bad I messed up, I could turn back and receive you and you will adorn me with the best attire of your righteousness and welcoming me back into the family. Father, I pray for everyone who hears my voice that they realize they can be received into the family of God. No, you have not messed up too bad to ruin it yet. Jesus died on the cross for you. He fixed it. He settled that whole mess. You can't. If your perspective is I can't fix it, well, of course you can't. That's why Jesus came. Give it to him. Turn it all over to the Lord and come back. If life, if the pressures of life is, is tearing you down, let it go where you're at and just go back to the Lord and say, I'm not worthy. I'm sorry. He'll receive you back. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us your perspective in this story. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland, located in Pearland, Texas. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast using your favorite podcast app to search for 
Set for Life with Ray Jensen. Or you can subscribe through our website at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. Jesus said in John 8, verse 31, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. Go to setforliferadio.com and send me an email. I would love to hear from you. I want you to remember that you are not worthless, you are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life.